Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined again today as always by my co-host off the show, it is Sean Siegel, who you can find all his great work up on roadofhis.com. Sean, we are on the second stage of our draft towards the $500,000 top prize in the Football Guys Players Championship. We're drafting out off the 102 spot, so we have started off with a pretty heavy 0-0-RB <laughs> Uh, approach here we started off with travis kelsey we followed that up with six continuous wide receivers we are on our way through that seventh round so we'll see what we start to do here at the pick at the eighth round here at the back of things at 811 but uh i think uh, we've got off sean to the the perfect start here i'm really excited about this team it would have been nice if uh somehow magically judy or claypool had fallen to the 6 11 that's what we're really looking for uh, the three guys we wanted at the end of round six judy fant and claypool were taken in the exact three picks right before our selection but there are no complaints when you get lavisca chanel i think that he's got a little bit narrower path to uh, putting up the huge season than those three guys right before him but if, if you're going to make a luxury pick if you're going to make a pick that you were kind of forced into a little bit when you take the guy that you wanted to lead the draft with then you know there are no complaints juju smith schuster and tyler boyd came in at the turn that was disappointing for us because they go to the christian mccaffrey drafter we came back through and took Devonte smith who has been getting lost a little bit in the enthusiasm for uh, jalen waddle elijah moore guys who were having fantastic camps at the wide receiver position but Jalen Hurts has been playing better than people expected. And if that continues, then the potential for a wide receiver to uh, score a lot of points as the wide receiver one there, you know, be the guy who is this year's Justin Jefferson. Now, uh, you know, in most seasons, you're not going to have a rookie receiver who breaks the rookie yardage record. But we know that we expect these point totals from the rookie wide receivers to uh not necessarily continue to increase, but to stay with this current trend of being very relevant in fantasy. Once you get into round seven, you're starting to look a little bit more at some of those guys. The price here in round seven is good. The upside for Smith, who when we look at this group, we're really looking at guys like Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, 
Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore as the most likely impact rookies. Devontae Smith gets a little bit lost, but Colin, I mean, he was the best player in college football last year. Yeah, and it's, I think that he's it's just like, you know, we would have seen this in the past with teams like the Bengals, for example, last year with even someone like T. Higgins. Like, you know, they haven't really been good and people just tend to let those things slide by a little bit. And I think that the Eagles, there's a lot of kind of reports around who who they want to be the quarterback not who's going to be the quarterback but like do they want hurts there there's been reports around sean watson things like that so i think then that also kind of lingers its way into the other players and the and the team there's been questions obviously around zach Ertz, what's going to happen with him then that affects dallas goddard so the whole team there's 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 lots of question marks around them but i think that also leads to having value there Um, the other thing sean that we've done that is uh you know part of our i guess it's the players we like but it's also part of the strategy is that we have taken four second-year wide receivers uh, and then one rookie wide receiver. So we have a lot of youth on this team, and then DJ Moore and Travis Kelsey mixed in with that. So um, I think we're we're hoping to see those steps forward too from those second-year players. And you mentioned when we took Chenault, the possible David being kind of a luxury pick. I think you know if you're if you're a team that starts off with three wide a running back, sorry, and then you're trying to push Chenault into your wide receiver two spot or even your wide receiver one spot, there is there is risk there, and uh, you know. We've talked a lot about Chanel this offseason. I really like him, like him a lot, but there's also the benefit of having him as your wide receiver five. Uh, it puts you in that spot where if things don't work out perfectly, you're still in a, a really healthy situation with the other guys around it. Exactly. And one of the other things that this allows us to consider is Michael Thomas, who has an ADP at early in the eighth round. It's not likely to come back to us, but I've seen him drop a long way in drafts. And you hear a lot of people talking about how He's such a bad pick. Michael Thomas is basically the same guy who everybody was talking about as this incredible value in that round three range a a month ago. He just chose to fix his ankle problem later. And so now you miss a couple weeks at the beginning. Well, again, if you're talking about you're drafting your starting wide receivers in this range, then those weeks at the beginning matter, especially if those weeks drag on. Because we saw just a few years ago, and for multiple years, that AJ Green is like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm gonna play. My ankle is a week away. I mean, if you're AJ Green and your ankle is a week away for two years, then people start to you know, doubt some of these veteran wide receivers with the ankle injury. Certainly, you doubt AJ Green, but when you consider Michael Thomas's situation and how really just difficult this was in terms of his relationship with the team then you know that is another big red flag for you at the same time they don't have anybody else and when we're getting uh, these glowing practice reports for Traquan Smith when he's healthy obviously Marquez Callaway has looked good there's still a huge difference between a player like that and a Michael Thomas if you have Jameis Winston come out and be the starter you have Thomas make amends with the team which is something that he and Sean Payton have been working on and then he comes in in week five and is you know, I don't think he's going to be what he was. I mean, just two years ago, he outscored the rest of the wide receiver position by 100 points, right? I mean, he's not going to come out and outscore the position by 100 points. But if he comes out and he's wide receiver 10 and you drafted him at wide receiver 40 and you have him for the fantasy playoffs, then you come out way ahead. So that's another element here where we have options that some other teams don't because of this situation where we have plenty of depth that we can do early on. He's another guy who can help us get through uh, some of these buys for other receivers, you know, assuming that it doesn't hang on and hang on and hang on. However, an interesting thing here, he actually goes at 
the seven eight turn to a team that has five running backs so it's the wide receiver too there yeah and again it's an interesting choice if you're going to go that heavy running back you've got to take some risk I actually like the fact that that team is taking risk as opposed to one of the things that we see all the time and we're just like well, you know that's it's not going to work is teams that go very heavy at running back and then they're super conservative at wide receiver so you've banked in all of these players who don't score as many points who get injured more often and then you come back and you're drafting more players who don't score as many points. So that's, that's not a winning formula. I like taking the risk there with Michael Thomas, even though that wide receiver two position could be difficult in the beginning. But again, obviously, if you're starting with five running backs, you're planning to use those guys in the flex. So you're really only looking at two running backs as being starters, at least early on. Two wide receivers, you mean? Right. Sorry. You're only looking at two wide receivers as being the starters the two flexes both at the running back position and so one of the things that we love about the ffpc format is that it does give us a lot of different ways to play a league yeah and i think uh, it's quite interesting though like obviously we have no running back so far but pretty much every other team i'm just checking here across the board has at least two but you mentioned uh team 12 having five running backs and um, there is a couple in there with four running backs as well so helping uh push those wide receivers down but it's gonna be interesting sean as we get ready to get back to our selection um, robert tonyan has just gone off the board we'll be hoping to i think i think this is going to be the time to make that pivot uh, especially if things fall right for us here the, the guys i'd be looking at sean to hopefully get is uh, james connor uh ronald jones and, and maybe even zach moss we could we could continue to to hit those wide receivers but i think maybe making the pivot at this point if we if we get those guys at the the back of the eighth and into the ninth might be might be the way to go or are you feeling strong enough to i know rondell moore is gonna be one of our targets here um but i think we could probably wait a little bit to get him in this draft perhaps but uh, there's going to be some reaches for guys who appeal to the heavy running back drafter so i don't know that we can necessarily rely on that some of the players we have at the top of the wide receiver position here would be a, a Jarvis Landry, a McCole Hardman, Elijah Moore, interesting pick with Corey Davis off the board. Colin, where are you on the Jets passing game? I still think this is going to run through more. We've kind of seen what Davis has in the past. He is one of our fifth year wide receiver breakout candidates and arguably undervalued, but undervalued in a way where he's probably not going to be a league winner. Yeah, I, I think we've touched on the couple of times but i just think there's so many moving parts at the wide receiver position for the jets that it's going to be really hard to call how it plays out so you mentioned davis moving teams uh, has you know had a, a great profile coming into the nfl has shown some flashes and then they have mems who the reports haven't really been been that great there's just so many different moving parts jameson crowder who tends to go a good bit later in the draft so there is gonna there's four possible options and i think that's what's probably going to prohibit any of them from having that breakout to being you know let's say a top 18 wide receiver i think we're going to see maybe two or three of them in the top 36 but nobody really taking that massive step forward um but if somebody is going to take a real leap it's, it's probably going to be more so we are on the board james connor is here he probably would be the running back i'd be reluctant to lose Colin, i you know we're still just in round eight eight nine is a fun turn to go heavy with the receivers but we do have some guys we think will come back to the 10 11 turn as well would this be the spot where we go ahead and take connor to make sure we don't lose him and select a wide receiver coming back around 
I think so. Yeah, I'm very happy to Connor here. I was hoping he might fall when when I seen AJ Dillon go off the board two picks after our last selection. I thought that maybe that was going to be the start of our kind of targets getting hit there. But uh, James Connor mentioned on one of her recent shows, my most drafted running back this offseason. So I'm hoping that these things continue to work out. Um, but I, I think there's uh, the upside of that offense, the opportunity to get those goal line carries and even outside of that. You know, I, I think Connor's been just obviously the contract situation is the part that's been talked about and the value they paid for him but i think that you made a good point on the ship chasing podcast where you mentioned that they just weren't in a rush to get him but they really did want to have him on the roster and they just didn't overpay so uh that's probably a smarter move by the cardinals than it is just um by diving in and paying too much so i think having him there as our our piece to start off the running backs is uh is really nice jack moss went off the board to the the team selecting out of that uh 101 spot so he would have been another target and the other one that i mentioned is ronald jones but i think there is the possibility here sean now that we have one guy tacked on there and we do have guys in the kind of 12 13 14th round range that we do like at the running back position are you happy to to step step over the the running back position now that moss is gone and and lean into those wide receivers again i i believe so there's just so much value here and if we look at, I mean, Landry, Hardman, Moore, Fuller, those are guys I don't really want to give to the other teams. Now we can only take one of them at this spot, obviously, but we take one of those guys off the board. Uh, we encourage some of the other teams to uh, vacuum up a few more of these running backs who, you know, are just pure roster cloggers, have, have almost no value. And continue to create the depth to where you know again our floor is like finishing fourth or fifth and so i think i'd like to go with a wide receiver do you have a preference between Moore and fuller those are probably the guys that i have the most interest in at this pick i think and you're talking about elijah Moore. yes yeah i would probably lean towards fuller i think again we're talking about the upside that we have people wouldn't be taking him maybe with the first week being suspended but now we're looking at a situation where we definitely aren't going to need him need him in that first week and it's going to give us the ability to access that upside throughout the season um so i i think that one obviously like the likes of landry you're going to get that safety there you're going to get those weeks of production but i think when we're looking at shooting for the shooting for the stars here that's the way to go uh, elijah moore is interesting sean um obviously we took Devontae smith earlier and we have the rest of those those young guys in there but i just do think with the the, the quarterback situation and, and everything with the Jets, there's just so much going on. Um, mightn't be the right approach, but my re- approach has been kind of to, if there is other options, to, to pivot to those. And Colin, we talked about the Christian McCaffrey owner making mistakes. I don't know if these are mistakes, but it's interesting to see Moss and Fournette go in the interim there, go with the 8-9 turn. Those are picks that could work out, but I think if we're looking at paths to winning the title, then one of the things that we're hoping will play out is that Devin Singletary ends up being the starter in Buffalo. I wrote an article this past week focusing on some of the advanced stats from a new tool that Dave Cabin has put together. We're going to have a lot of new stats for Rotoviz subscribers this in-season. So if you've been kind of uh, enjoying the podcast, but you're doing some research on what site do you want, what's going to be the best combination of tools and information, give you the best prices on all of this, then uh, we're going to have routes for you. We're going to have you know things like on-target passes from the quarterback. We're going to have 
broke the tackles and yards after contact for the running backs. And so those elements, I think, get overplayed a lot and are used in the wrong ways when people are trying to put together fantasy teams. But they're really cool stats, and you like to have access to them. You like to see what's going on with those numbers. One of the things that pops out is that Devin Singletary was actually amazing again in 2020 at evading tackles, at forcing uh, breaking tackles, all those kinds of things, creating yardage after contact. The real problem that he had was similar to what we had with the backs in Pittsburgh, where you know there are no holes. You're getting tackled in the backfield a lot, so these yards before contact were very poor. Now, someone like a Devin Singletary, you'd expect to do well in that category because you know he has the agility to, to beat some of those guys and to break some of the long gains. We didn't see that from him, but I've got a lot of optimism that he's actually going to be more involved in this backfield than people think. Right. I think the projection for me is going much closer now back to a 50-50 backfield where, you know, either of these guys could have value. Both of them could have value at their ADPs. Unfortunately, for someone we were targeting a little bit later, he does go in the middle of round nine. Colin, you were arguing for Ronald Jones. Leonard Fournette is the player who was actually picked. Uh, more reports out of Tampa Bay that Gio is really the guy who's mostly involved there. And so the reports that I've seen, and this doesn't mean that Leonard Fournette couldn't come out and be a star. We saw what he did in last year's playoffs at the same time when the reporting from camp is that Ronald Jones has pulled away and looks far superior to the other running backs as a pure rusher. And again, we kind of go to some of those, advanced metrics and see that last year he was one of the very top guys in the entire NFL in yards after contact again because he can break the big play he's not as good at breaking tackles as a few of the guys but when he does break a tackle he's off to the races that's what matters right if you break five tackles and then sit down like David Montgomery that doesn't help you as much and so we're looking at Jones as being the highlight guy there unfortunately the reports continue to suggest that you know Geo is going to be James White in this offense at which point it just makes sense to make sure you get him on your team yeah i agree and um when we were talking sean maybe two months ago shortly after that news you know he was somebody who you could get in the 19th 20th round uh so geo has come on a long way in terms of adp since there but um i i have no interest in fournette and that could be the wrong decision on my part but like you mentioned there we're looking at the upside of ronald jones who may not get the passing work because geo but there is the possibility that Fournette just gets completely squeezed out um he did have that hot streak obviously in the playoffs but there was points in the season where it looked like they were ready to, to cut ties with him and he's somebody who's had his issues in the the locker room on a number of occasions both uh, seemed to be going that way in, in Tampa Bay last year but also when he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh paid him back Sean to the team that did take him the the team out of the 101 with Christian McCaffrey um he did pick Juju Smith-Houston and Tyler Boyd before it came back to us on that Devontae Smith pick, and they were two of the guys we were hoping to get. Those two picks did did get auto-drafted, and then uh, obviously he's come off auto-draft and went Moss and Fournette. So just uh, wondering if uh, he would have went with running backs on those other two picks rather than there if that uh, if he hadn't have been on auto-pick. So hopefully <laughs> hopefully that'll still work out for us, but um, interested that he, he is back in the draft room. But uh, as Sean, as things come around here, Tony Pollard has gone off the board. Philip Lindsay's gone off the board. We're, we're really seeing the running backs get pulled up a little bit here. They're guys that tend to be going 
uh, a round or two later and that's as early as i've seen singletary going um in drafts yet obviously you mentioned you know how it might be leaning towards a 50 50 split so somebody definitely buying into that there so when we see the options that are, are coming back to us as a, a number of quarterbacks are starting to go off the board as well uh, where are we looking here as ronald jones still there um at this particular point um and then we have the guys like elijah moore still there uh rondell moore still there uh, and now that you mention it uh, or now that i mentioned it rondell moore's gone off the board but i did complete a, a draft this week with the trifecta of moores with dj moore elijah moore and uh rondell moore so um hopefully that team comes in have all the moores and that's the trifecta that ben and i have pulled off in our stealing signals Rolo Biz Triflex Dynasty Startup League. So we're also rooting for that to hit. Yeah, Colin, we're going to have some interesting options here, I think. Hardman goes off the board. Tannehill goes off the board. But now we're more or less guaranteed to have a, a fun wide receiver or Ronald Jones come to us here. I, I don't know. With the situation there with Bernard, it just it makes it tough. I and mean, when we know that we want him if we look at where you have to draft bernard over the last week it's been the beginning of round 13 there are a few guys who are probably not going to go as high as they've gone even in the last week speaking of players like a david johnson you could see a latavius murray drop a little bit since the news for him hasn't been great you know i wouldn't necessarily expect a jd mckissick to go ahead of him and so we're into this range now where a lot of Drafters are going to be nervous. They're going to be looking at these as more speculative options. I actually think it's still fun to have this extreme build. And one of the things that we're looking at here is that Jones goes one pick before us. Uh, Colin, I think that Elijah Moore is a no-brainer. And then I think that Henry Ruggs is kind of fun. Again, what we're trying to do is figure out how we can absolutely destroy people on all of these bye weeks and have a little bit of flexibility to do that so i'm going to put elijah in what are your thoughts on taking yet another wide receiver and how are we looking now at qb so we finished 10 rounds we've got 10 to go we know that two of those picks are going to go to defense and kicker we're going to be filling in with a lot of late running backs how many picks are we looking to use at the quarterback position i think i'd probably go two but perhaps one um I, I think though two would be safe we're we are back on the clock i would have made a pitch against you on that last one <laughs> against more to take kaseki who went on the next pick but um i i still think they were in a good position there i think it might be a time to look to pivot unless you feel strongly about rugs there is a couple of very interesting high upside quarterback options here in this range with you know hearts lance fields burrow and that kind of area um is there any of them that you prefer to take over rugs or are you happy to keep weight and i think if we want to look at two i think it makes sense to get one of those high upside guys and then somebody like a fitzpatrick or a, a baker mayfield or Derek carr later on hey everybody this is dave cabin from the rotoviz flagship podcast just stopping by to say thank you for listening to rotoviz radio we're offering our listeners a special 10 percent discount when they use the promo code rv radio 2021 at checkout Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. Before history is written, 
It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so which wide receiver, I mean, which QB do you want between Fields and Burrow? Let's go for Burrow. Okay, so we have the safer QB with Burrow likely being able to play in week one. He's someone we've been hitting for most of the season here, and that uh, gives us the flexibility to only take one quarterback, at least in the original draft, if we so desire. Colin, we leave rugs there, but now we do have this wide receiver group that, despite having the three wide receivers with week seven buys, during week seven, we can start a lineup that includes DJ Moore, Will Fuller, T. Higgins, and either Devontae Smith or Elijah Moore. And so we're still uh, destroying even that bye week. And we know that the firepower that we're going to have in the rest of the bye weeks should allow us to come through and deal with any loss of points we have at the running back position. Now, guys we have on the board at running back include Gio, Rashad Penny, Hubbard has looked good in the preseason. White is someone who's going to bounce back and have more receptions for the Patriots. Tevin Coleman's still the nominal starter for the New York Jets. Uh, and then Anthony McFarlane, someone who is sort of sliding under the radar for the Steelers. They've been talking him up a lot as someone who is has made a big step from his rookie campaign. That gets lost, obviously, in the Najee Harris discussion, but at the same time, any little thing happens to Harris, and you're looking at a running back in McFarland who's going to score a lot of points. I'm increasingly less concerned about the other players on that depth chart. Yeah, and uh, just to go back to the team, Sean, this wide receiver uh, core is insane. I know you went ahead and picked Elijah Moore, but like there was no discussion to be had. I mentioned about bypassing players for the Jets, but when you discuss him in round nine, he's there in round 10. Um, just, just no-brainer, but this thing is is turning out to be really, really nice. Um, the the question, Sean, I would probably have at this point is you mentioned how many quarterbacks. So I guess like we're going to we're obviously going to be looking a lot here running back. We're going to be looking at the quarterback and tight end position as well. But I did mention the Gasecki. Um, he he for me would have been the last tight end in that kind of tier that I would have been hoping to get. And then I know that you do like Adam Troutman a little bit. Colts Mets probably my next guy that I, I would be targeting. Uh, is there anybody that you're looking to get at, at, at tight end, sorry, or is there, uh, you know, have you any concerns about just rolling in with, with the one tight end? No, not a lot of concern right away. One of the advantages for Kelsey is that there's the week 12 buy. You're going to be looking to make some moves on the waiver wire as people kind of cut down and shuffle their lineup around to try and figure out the best balance after we get going. But the name that I would throw out, and it's easier to throw this name out after 
the preseason game. But Pat Ferrer-Muth is someone that Blair Andrews and I were taking a lot in the FFPC Classic, the 28-round format where you definitely have to get to three or four tight ends, and some of those tight ends have to be late, right? I mean, you can't take them all early. Just the overall build doesn't work that way. And Ferrer-Muth is someone who Travis May, our fantastic college guru, has been promoting as, look, if Kyle Pitts weren't out there, then Fairmouth would be getting a crazy amount of publicity. And he's this amazing value who is hidden behind Pitts. Well, you go in and you read about Steelers training camp and Fairmouth has been the breakout star, right? I mean, he's dominated camp. He's been a fantastic blocker, something that Eric Ebron essentially refuses to do at all. He's flashed in the passing game. I mean, he's going to outsnap Ebron. It almost seems like a given right now. If you outsnap him and have more routes and actually are the target on some of those routes when they have all those wide receivers and they have Harris when they're working in, that's a little bit of a different question. But if we want to get exposure to a guy who could be actually the rookie star that we're looking for, you know, so many of us in, in round three and, and you have to make the pick in round 20, then I kind of like those odds. And so, you know, you see him put up the couple touchdowns in the preseason game, you know, that's going to get people to look at the selection. If we make him and say, Oh, well, it's just the trendy thing. He made the couple of catches there. But one of the things that we're seeing is that he's a part of this offense. He's a part of this team. He's going to be relevant right away. Now the difference between relevant and fantasy impact, you know, those can be two slightly different things, but I do like the potential that he brings to the table. So he'd be somebody else I'd be looking at late. I'm not interested in the Adam Troutman. He's supposedly not having a good camp and they've got some other directions they want to go there. Plus you just have the concerns that this offense may take a huge step back as they try and figure out the quarterback position. But Cole Komet, he's the other guy that I think if we can get him at a decent price and we're now already into the range where it would qualify as a decent price, I think he's also a no-brainer. Yeah, I think he, he's the one that would really be interested in me. And sorry if I, I, I thought Troutman was somebody <laughs> who was on the radar, but um I, I do I do think that uh, Komet is the, the way to go if we can get him in there. Uh, there's also going to be some of our guys coming up here that we tend to like at the running back position. Um, I, I'm kind of starting to get a little bit interested here, Sean. We are quite a number of picks away at the moment, nearly a full round to, to get back to us in the 12th round here. But if Jalen Hurts lasts through that point, are we interested in the upside of that or are we like thinking about just sitting firm with, with the one quarterback as well? I think that one quarterback might be okay. It's a kind of an interesting choice of if Ruggs makes it all the way back around, even though we don't need that position. You know, we talk about the team that Blair Anders and I drafted in the main event last year and how it finished 31st overall, despite really never having any running back score points for us all season. And, you know, part of that is to discuss how zero RB works, but it, it's also just a good example of, of, how you can approach your draft and how you don't need to feel pressure to chase points at positions like running back. You know, if, if you have the wide receivers to annihilate your opponents at those other spots, then, you know, if we drafted a player in here in the 12th round and eventually cut them, you know, that that'll be fine. I mean, if, if rugs doesn't score any points and we need to cut him, you know, the waiver wire exists for that reason. So I'm looking here Hertz will be interesting. We've obviously made the bet on Smith. You know, is he going to run as much as we need? Is he going to run enough to balance out, say, just taking Fitzpatrick at the very end of the draft or just taking one QB and, you know, using a pick at that position the week before the season starts 
if it looks like Burrow is in trouble? You know, those are some interesting questions. Rashad Penny is going to be into the range where we'll be looking at him at the 12-13 turn. So he's maybe the other name here. I would say that Ruggs, Hurts, Komet, and Penny would be the four guys that we have to decide between as our pick comes up here in five slots. Yeah, no, I would agree. And it's going to be interesting because there's five slots to go. There's uh, four to five names you mentioned there that are very interesting. Penny, definitely somebody who we like, um, you know, to, to try and see what happens there. So Evan Ingram's gone off the board. Jacoby Myers has gone off the board in the last couple of picks. Um, any strong preference, Sean? You mentioned, when I mentioned it, I thought that Hertz would be off the board at this point, and Penny has gone off the board in that pick. So I didn't really think it would probably still be there. Um, we're at the back of the 12th round. It seems like it would be a lot of value, but I still probably would lean towards Komet now that Penny has gone, um, just because I, I know we don't need like we, we have the option to get rugs but i think at this point the the other positions probably do just offer that little more value to us i think i think Komet would be my call the other thought that i would have on rugs is that the mccaffrey drafter only has four wide receivers and so we talk about both the strengths and weaknesses of that draft you know is that drafter going to make a mistake if we pass on rugs and he's taken at the turn here, then we've sort of bailed him out. Hertz goes, which kind of pushes me back into the direction of, and Penny went. So here I'm probably looking at rugs commit as the two guys. And both of them are very legitimate targets for the, the one person who gets to draft in between us. So, from that perspective, I would probably be willing to go either way. If we look at tight end, the uh, tight end board favors Troutman and Henry as the next couple of names off. So we might be able to get away with that. Um, is it okay to make the rugs pick and then try and come back with Comet on the next spot? Go ahead. I'll let you. I'll let you take it. Uh, I think it's going to. Sean, when I post this on Twitter, there's going to be there's going to be a meltdown. I think I don't know how they'll react to this draft. It is. We are. We are going full uh, on brand here. Um, I. I probably, if it was me personally in a uh, draft by myself, I probably would have went Comet. But I don't have the. I don't have the, the guts of Sean Siegel to just keep hammering those wide receivers. I think we've we've gone well here. I, I would have been probably leaning to get Comet and then. Hubbard would have probably been the way out it went but um at some point these guys are gonna have to stop taking running backs because that's pretty much what some of the teams only have <laughs> at this point so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here but I do agree with you the team in spot one like and I mentioned this about the Juju and Tyler Boyd picks that went on auto draft they have ha had three running backs in their four picks since that I, I think they would have probably went running back at that point too so I wouldn't be surprised to see them hit the the running back position here or no i could sean tell the listeners what uh, what's happened here <laughs> well we had the washington defense come off <laughs> is is an aggressive selection i i think that having a defense that you believe in makes some sense in these drafts again one of the things too that does happen is you don't know about the internet connection for people uh, we we run into those problems from time to time when we're trying to record shows and so we know that that can kind of jump in there and create some weirdness. Hunter Henry was the other pick, and that's kind of what I was hoping would be the case. Now, the other thing that we have to consider is, you know, just how much 
do we want Hubbard? I would be more scared that he would go off to the McCaffrey owner in some way. Some of these teams are so running back heavy that you think, okay, well, they're not going to be picking a, a pure backup to McCaffrey. He's kind of the other exciting guy. Obviously, we are going to pivot and take some running backs after this point. We are more into a position where we're going to need some of those guys to potentially have the guy in front of them get hurt than we would normally have. You know, we, we don't want that to happen, but we know that it does happen. Um, I think Komet is still the pick here. And if Hubbard gets back around to us, then we pull the trigger next round. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think that's the way we go. Um, I, I would have, like I mentioned, probably went the other way, but it's going to give us so much flexibility. And I, I do like the point that you made. It, it hadn't really crossed my mind and I hadn't looked at the draft board in that way. But him not being able to have rugs, maybe he wouldn't have went for rugs. But, you know, at this point, the team in the 101 has Metcalf and Allen. So at the start, we talked about they had McCaffrey, Metcalf and Allen, which was a really nice start. Then they took Mahomes, which obviously there's a lot of upside, but it's at the quarterback position. And then they took two wide receivers and Smith-Schuster and Boyd. So we have four wide receivers on that team. They have five running backs, two tight ends, and one defense at this point. So I think that you know we talk about the opportunities for them to slip that draft away from themselves, and, and hopefully that's working to our favor. And Sean, that Ruggs pick may have, may have been something they would have went for. So I think their team with the two picks they took is inevitably a little bit worse off than if they had a took uh, rugs there. And obviously you mentioned the ADP of, of Henry versus Komet. So that worked in our favor also. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch the running backs, Sean, come off the board over the next uh, kind of round and a half here before we get back to us. But some of the targets we do have in there are Hubbard, James White, uh, and Tevin Coleman. Dream scenario would be obviously if we could get Hubbard and White, but uh, that's probably been a bit ambitious over these next couple of picks but you know we did see the first defense go off the board we may see a situation where we we, we see people start to dip into that part of the the draft as well which would possibly help push some of those guys back to us uh, i know we both like gibson this year you mentioned at the start of the the draft that pat crane is a big fan of gibson as well um somebody who is there is jd mckissick who did help you out in some of the leagues helped me out in a lot of leagues last year uh, is he somebody you're completely avoiding this year or is he somebody that there's still a little bit of interest if you get him at the right price? I think if you get him at the right price, you definitely have to have interest because uh, he was just too good. And the play callers have seen it. The head coach has seen it. Uh, he's proven what he can do. It's one of those situations where he's going to have a little bit more of a role if Gibson gets injured than people are maybe giving credit for. And so when you look at someone who has already done it at a very high level, they're going to use Gibson more because he's such a fantastic player. It's a little bit like our explanation for why you want Jonathan Taylor, even with Hines in behind him. But it's the same situation in that McKissick is still there, right? And so if we're looking at those two guys, we're thinking, okay, well, Jonathan Taylor, there are some problems because of Hines. Well, with Gibson, there are those problems because of McKissick and the offense has worked so well with him playing a role. We know that they can go into attack mode with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think that in some cases that attack mode will be with McKissick. So he's, he's falling beyond where he should fall. I, I like him as someone that's going to give you points. And, and that's what he did for Blair and me last season. Now it took us a long time to get on board. We actually resisted 
uh, <laughs> signing him up through waivers for a couple of weeks longer than we should have. And we resisted putting him into the lineup. But once we finally were like, this guy has proven what he can do, then it was a no brainer and he scored a lot of points. So I like him. I think he's a good pick. He does go at the 13, 12, and, and that's where I think his value is. So Hubbard's still there. James White's still there. Ramondre Stevenson, an interesting player for the Patriots. Uh, when I discussed him on ship chasing, I was mentioning that there are so many things that have to happen for him to have redraft value. He looks like a, a clear dynasty draft and stash. And, you know, in two years is maybe the overall running back seven. You know, how does that play out this year? It's, it's almost impossible to see it. But he's one of those guys where if you had to hold him through week one, through week two, and not score a lot of points at the running back position those first couple of weeks and kind of find out what he's going to do, there are a lot of worse ways to play it, right? So uh, he's someone that we can look at a little bit there. I had mentioned McFarlane. Boston Scott has been getting plenty of publicity in Philadelphia, even though the highlight names are obviously Miles Sanders at the beginning of drafts and then uh, Kenny Gainwell as the kind of exciting rookie. Jarek McKinnon has been one of the stars of Chiefs camp column, and we know well, we've referenced Davis Maddock and his funny takes on McKinnon. McKinnon numerous times and yet if Edwards Alaire doesn't hit I mean there's a real chance that Jarek McKinnon is not just someone you can play but that he's a league winner I mean this system fits his abilities better than the one in San Francisco which the San Francisco one is so favorable for running backs but I like McKinnon and Andy Reid's offense a little bit better yeah, McKinnon's always been something who, or someone who you thought would fit better in a more pass-heavy offense rather than the run-heavy nature of the the 49ers. And I always felt that even at his peak, when you know people were, were you know we were stashing him in dynasty when he was with the the Vikings behind Adrian Peterson, we thought things would pick up once once things changed there. But I I think he fits better in that secondary running back role rather than the lead guy, and I think that's probably going to give him an opportunity to do that with the uh with with the chiefs and obviously with how we expect that offense to to fire this this season as well i think that could be really really valuable um i can't remember if davis called it <laughs> tired dead leg syndrome or what, what was the the ailment dead legs yes and i think that um he claimed that he maybe was even dead with it as opposed to you know merely on the bench or or on the injured reserve so <laughs> yeah that, i think anytime that you play a couple nfl games and suddenly your team is like yeah i mean he's he's just tired so we're resting him that's not something that is going to make you feel good about that player ever again and yet that is not the guy that has been at chiefs training camp so you know we get puff pieces for the the post hype guys we get puff pieces for the free agent signings we get puff pieces for the rookies we don't necessarily want to take all of those things as the way that NFL season is going to definitely play out. But I think McKinnon has to be somebody who at this point is on the radar. Yeah, and the, the draft is just starting to come back around to us, Sean. Hubbard is still there. We are two picks away. I think it's an automatic smash if that plays out for us through these next two picks. Hoping that will be the case, but we'll we'll see how it plays out. Usually when we do that a little bit early, it doesn't work out, but uh, hopefully here it does. Some interesting builds, and I mean interesting in a strange way rather than a good way. Um, we have, you know, we mentioned Team 12 earlier with the heavy running back start. Um, did take three quarterbacks in a five-pick 
range between pick nine and pick 13 so there's some interesting things but you know maybe there's a little bit of an overinvestment there in the quarterback position but things sean may work out um any decision to be made if if we can get one more pick here for chubbard if it if it can last for us i don't think so the upside at qb doesn't require a selection there james white is no longer available he goes about five picks ahead of us and so we really are down to hubbard as kind of the potential breakout star for this team i mentioned him as a pure handcuff i do think that he's going to have a little bit of standalone value in an offense where the touches to the running back position could be higher value than people realize as they try and keep McCaffrey a little bit healthier this year a little bit cleaner this year hubbard has a chance to break some big plays there he's a big play running back and that fits with what the Panthers want to do. So we'll go ahead and enter that selection. Now, Colin, as we come back around on the turn here, you know, do you have any interest in getting an early defense? Four defenses are off the board, uh, but the teams like the Ravens, the Patriots, the 49ers are still there. Do you have any interest in having a Justin Tucker or a Harrison Bucker at kicker we come back around i think that our next running back play might almost be mckinnon or we could look at one of the other quarterbacks here yeah i think we would probably look towards um i i wouldn't be against going for for tucker or buckner here just for the fact that that just gives us peace of mind throughout the season i would lean towards buckner based on the week 12 by i think it would just give us a lot of less headaches on the waiver wire but um, i'm open to to go in any other positions we only have 30 seconds left on the clock the the quarterback that will be remaining would be fitzpatrick um so sean if you if you want to take your man um go ahead and do so but i would i would probably be happy to go with with bucker here well i'm going to throw a little bit of a, a, a wrench in the works and we're running out of time so i'll explain it after we you go for it action. uh after i proposed that i can't believe i'm just going to say to the listener i can't believe that's what happened the one player that sean hadn't in the queue that i added to the back of the queue i just thought that with the entry over the last week or so that you were like no we're skipping him so before we actually tell you what happened with that pick i'm gonna put a pin in it there and we'll be back and you'll have to tune into the next one to see who that 15th round pick was but um, I think you'll you'll all enjoy hearing that part of the conversation. With 15 rounds in the books, obviously you've only heard 14 off the picks, but come back and hear the rest of the way through the 20th round. As we finish off the draft, those late round selections at running back are going to be key, and what do we do at the kicker and defense positions? Those are places that do tend to get overlooked. We do have a little bit of conversation coming up on that as well to help get you set up for success. Don't miss out on the positions. Don't make those late round mistakes that could avoid or could end up costing you a shot at the championship so so as always in the show want to let you know that you can get a listeners only 10 percent discount to rotaviz nfl pass all you have to do is add the code rb radio 2021 at checkout or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to my co-host is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotaviz.com and including the uh, zero rb pieces that'll be coming out over the next uh couple of days or week to get you set up for those drafts help you win those championships but until we're back with that final episode of the draft where you will hear who that pick was have a good one 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>